0: Welcome back to another episode of Hunger for the Outdoors. I'm Zach.
1: I'm Melissa. I'm Connor. I'm Michaela.
2: I'm Gibson.
0: And so this week we want to talk about basic trapping. Um, questions, basics, how to get started on it and all that. So I guess to preface everything, let's talk about our experiences trapping.
1: I know that... Really, my only experience is heading out with you a few times to check some traps for uh, muskrats and something. I was hoping we kind of just bounce all questions off of you and see what you have to say. Absolutely.
2: I go trapping with Zach like four times a week. We go check his traps.
0: We try to go a few times a week anyway. I help him skin the muskrats occasionally.
1: (laughs) Gabby, yeah, do that's you really have any uh, experience trapping?
2: Um, I've been out once. Um, I got a buddy whose aunt does a whole lot of tra- trapping. Sorry, and we went out with her, um, just before I moved back up here, actually, uh, about a about a year ago now. So that's about all I've got. But
0: i right. Well, I guess let's start off with questions, then. Um, then we'll just get in. Um, we'll get into it from there. You know, basic things. <laughs> Someone starting off wanting to try to do it might want to know.
1: Yeah. I think it's important to also uh, mention that every state has different rules and regulations. And, you know, wherever you are, it's important to look up uh, the rules, and regulations in your area. You know, what Absolutely. we're talking about today is mostly just where Zach lives up in Idaho. But with yeah. that said, Zach, is there like any like license or certification or course you need to take to start trapping?
0: Yeah. So um, it's funny you ask that actually, because when I first started trapping um, trappers, education wasn't required. And so when I first started trapping my old man, when I went out and bought licenses and we just went out um, and I learned through that way. um, But last year, I went to try to go get my dad his license um, and he hadn't had a license in so long and they changed the rules since then. So now you are required to have that trapper's ed course and go through the safety and the informational course that he can't get his anymore. But because I was grandfathered in, I no longer had to do that. And so I still haven't taken one though. It is a good thing to take.
2: Now, is that, is that a nationwide thing or a state thing?
0: That For us, that's just a statewide requirement. Um, There's also a separate class that they now have in Idaho that they've had for a few years that's required to trap wolves if you're going to do that.
1: Yeah, I think that's another good question. What are all of the animals that you can trap?
0: That's a really good question. Um, I guess I'm going to go off the most popular. You can trap almost any animal except for big game that's hunted. Um, Legally, that's not allowed. But... The most popular around where I'm at is Coyote, Fox, Bobcat, Martin, Fisher, Mink, Raccoon, um, Beaver. Um, I can't really think of anything else, but those are the most common ones right off the top of my head.
2: Yeah, I know when I went last year, that's we hit Beaver really hard. We hit um, Coons really hard. And we hit um, foxes really hard because that's what is really, like, the the place she traps. She uh, just tries to keep all the predators off its a pheasant hunting um, grounds. So they try to just get all the predators off that land.
0: Yeah. And that's that's something that trapping is used really heavily for. Um, A lot of people see traps as inhumane or as... Um, ineffective but what people don't realize is that we're out hunting, you know, you can harvest what's the best day you guys have ever seen a coyote hunt go for? As in like
2: how much
0: it yeah, how many coyotes were harvested in one day?
2: Oh I don't know, I've seen up to two or three total for a whole day, but
0: Yeah. And so trapping allows you to do that while you're not there. The most I've ever heard of being pulled in in one day was probably between 15 and 25. Oh, wow. And so trapping is a much more effective method of um, maintaining um, predator populations.
1: Okay. And when you say like 15 to 20 taking a day, is that hunting them or just trapping them?
0: That's trapping them only. There was no hunting involved that day.
1: Okay. Sounds like a pretty good haul.
0: That was an incredibly good haul. It's very uncommon to have something like that. Most guys I know will pull in two to five a week, depending on how many sets they have out.
1: Okay. So, where, where can they go to get these certifications and get these courses done?
0: Um, anywhere that you're going to go to look for a hunting license or a, a hunting course, the same place will provide your trapping license or your trapping courses. And uh, they'll get you the basic knowledge of what you need and all that kind of stuff um, to be able to start trapping on your own.
1: Okay. So for me, I just go to the Utah DWR website and look it up there.
0: Yeah. And for us, we're looking at Idaho Fishing Games website. Okay. So
2: now is that just an online course you have to take or you can do an online in person and then it's followed up with like, for example, when you go and get your hunter safety, you have your online course and then a shooting portion. Is it like the same kind of deal or is it just an online course or an in-person course?
0: See, and that's the thing is I'm not 100% sure. I think it is only an in-person course where they do a field day right then and there on the spot. It's not a multiple day thing. It's just a, usually a one day thing.
1: Oh, okay. okay. So once they get their certifications done, what kind of equipment are we looking at getting?
0: So it depends on what kind of area you're in. That's the first thing you need to know. What, animals are you going to be trapping for me where i'm at i honestly haven't done a lot of coyote trapping and almost no fox trapping i think i've set up a trap one time for fox um and so i'm primarily targeting um mink muskrat raccoon beaver those are the the five that i really hit pretty heavily and then every once in a while if i'm trapping an area or hunting an area that i know there's coyotes frequently i'll set a trap out there
2: I do have a question.
1: Okay. Um, is there a certain amount of traps you can have out at a, one time?
0: That's a wonderful question. And that varies from state to state. Um, for example, I know in Canada, you're allowed a certain amount of land you're allowed to trap. <laughs> but here in Idaho, there's not a limit. Um, I know in a lot of the north, west states or the northeast states um like maine and maryland and places like that they have limits to you can have this kind of trap above land and only this kind of trap below water and you can only you have to check the trap this many times per week um or if you have it under ice you don't have to check it but once a year okay so
1: that kind of goes into like my next question i was thinking You know, is there like areas that are restricted to trapping? Like, you know, I live in this within city limits. Can I put a trap in my backyard for something?
0: Yes, you can. Um, The restrictions are you can't do it on private ground unless asked. And you have to check your local regulations. So for us here in Idaho, we're really lucky. We don't have the above ground restrictions the way that most places do. I can set any trap above ground that I would like Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it will be effective for me but I know a lot of places that if you're trying to set a death uh, style trap you can only set it three quarters of the way in the water or all the way submerged but in around where I'm at it's not uncommon to hear a guy set out anywhere from 100 to 1500 traps a year
1: So, say that you know, we're just trapping things like muskrats, beavers, raccoons. I think those are pretty universally trapped. What uh, what kind of traps are we looking to get, and where can we get them?
0: So, the traps that we're looking at, the hardware and equipment that we're looking at, is very very basic for the beginner. If you're just wanting to start, and the easiest animal in my book to trap is going to be either raccoon or muskrat. And for raccoon, there's two different traps I'll use. There's one that's called a dog-proof trap. It's relatively new, but it doesn't allow dogs to stick their paw in them. Um, The trigger actually has to be pulled from the inside of a tube, and then it sets off and catches a raccoon. Um, And then the other kind of trap that I stereotypically use for raccoons will be a foothold trap. And this is the one that people think is the real scary one with the big teeth and the jaws.
1: Um, yeah, like traditionally thought of as a bear trap.
0: Yes, and those are actually, the ones with the teeth are actually illegal to use um, in most places as far as I know. But I trap based off of size of animal. And so for a raccoon, I will usually use a one and a half. If it's a really big raccoon, and I know he's there and frequenting that area, I might use a number two. Um, but most often it's a one and a half foothold. Does
1: so, those numbers does that does that describe the size of it or the pressure applied
0: or? Uh, so with footholds, it's just the size, um, and so you've got ones as small as ones, um, all the way up to like uh, the one bear trap that I saw once was like a uh, size twenty-five, and that's massive. The biggest one we use for beaver or raccoon is like a five or a four. Okay.
2: Now what are the I mean what what are some of the perks um sorry I kind of got sidetracked a second what are some of the perks of and I know we cover this a set for a minute but what are some of the perks of trapping you know coyotes foxes instead of going out and hunting them like most people typically do
0: Well let me ask Connor a question or turn to that one to help you answer it Connor have you been out rabbit hunting at all this year I've done a lot any rabbits yet Mm. so this is why trappers trap um left to nature game and predator and prey will have this up and down motion of populations and here in idaho we generally have about a seven-year rabbit season and a seven-year coyote season with the rabbits being down so low, the coyotes have actually been up pretty high, which causes coyotes to get into every other animal. They get into domestic dogs, domestic cats, um, livestock. They get into fawns, like deer. Um, they'll kill just about anything they can. I've seen them eat turkeys. And so what we as trappers are trying to accomplish with trapping um Predators is we're limiting the amount of predators that are killing the game that we wish to harvest later on.
2: I see. I see. I see. See, that answers my question. Thank you.
1: Well, not only that, but I mean, you can also sell the pelts, right? Sell their fur.
0: Absolutely. Um, if you ever ask a trapper if he's made money on trapping, like a profit. And he says, yes, he's full of crap. <laughs> um, no trapper has ever trapped, ex- except for in the mountain man era, that has actually made a decent profit. We, we trap specifically for the purpose because, number one, we feel closer connected with the land. And number two, we want to control the animal populations around where we live. Okay. So
1: I have a question. All
0: right. How does your foothold trap catch your raccoon? So it's got this small pan, and keep an eye out on our social media. We'll post a picture and a video of me sticking my hand in one, because everyone thinks that they hurt and they don't. They don't break bone. Um, They may sting a little bit initially, but they don't break bone. But there's this little pan in the center, and once the animal steps on it, a lot of ethical trappers will adjust the pan tension so that it only goes down with a certain amount of tension. So, if a raccoon stepped on a coyote trap, it shouldn't go off. If a fox steps on a coyote trap, it shouldn't go off. Um, it should be that animal or an animal bigger that will set that trap off. Um, but once that pan is pressed down, the two jaws swing together and hold that animal.
2: Now, I think we I was talking to you about this, but um, a lot of people will also put like rubber pieces or foam pieces or like some kind of padding on their jaws as well, because you could just put it on all the trap is supposed to do is hold, hold your animal there. It's not supposed to actually do anything besides that. Is, is that right?
0: Yes. So I have actually, a lot of people don't believe me that when an animal's caught, it's not supposed to be in pain. It's not supposed to be sitting there writhing, trying to, cut its own leg off because it's hurting so bad um i've actually walked up on several of my animals asleep in the trap when they were trapped um but yes a lot of us will do either one or two things they've got modified jaws which have a little gap in between the jaws and i personally don't use those or they've got um padded jaws and i don't use those either and the reason being is because I have such small traps that, and I don't trap coyotes. And so I don't really have a need for those because the animals that I'm trapping don't have a hard enough pull from the trap that they break their legs and get out. They just don't do that. I've never had an animal really do that.
2: See, that that's really interesting. I, I've grown up thinking that you know, it's supposed to break them, make them so they can't move and that kind of thing. And it, the trap was supposed to kill them. Then you just go and harvest the body and uh, reset the trap.
0: See, and don't get me wrong. There are those traps. Those are what we call conibears. bears. And right now we've been focusing on uh, footholds. But for muskrat or for mink, I use what's called a conibear bear trap. And those are death traps. And we'll post a picture of one of those set on our social media as well. Um, but they come in a few different sizes, but the most common ones are 110s, 220s, and 330s. And what that number is referring to is the pounds per square inch. Um, and a lot of people think, well, those death grip traps just strangle mm-hmm. them to death. Um, and that's not true. What I've had happen is my conibear trap will catch, I've had him catch a muskrat before. And it'll snap behind the head and I had a trap set and I walked away to go grab a steak so that I could stake it down. And this is pretty poor practice and I shouldn't have done it, but I was young and still learning. Anyway, I turned around to go grab the steak, cut it, got it back within a minute and there's a muskrat dead in my trap. And I didn't even hear, I was shocked. Um, And so that was one that I was able to harvest in a matter of minutes.
2: That is insane.
1: So, if mostly, like, the foothold traps, if they just sit there and hold them and don't kill them, uh, I'm assuming you just walk up and shoot it. I know that you have uh, specialized trapping bullets that you carry. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so,
0: oftentimes, depending on the size of animal, um, I like to carry a twenty two. You know, a lot of guys will say a uh, 17 HMR or a 17 air rifle, a 17 caliber air rifle will work and they will. Um, But I personally prefer to use a 22. I this year bought a 22 pistol, the Wrangler from Ruger, um, just so I could walk up on an animal. And if it's in my trap, I can dispatch it quickly, humanely and without any kind of drama. You know, and I've watched a lot of guys that'll whack them on the head. And yeah, you know, if you hit it right, it's absolutely humane. Um, But for me, I just have a more effective means for me. A bullet in the back of the head to me just seems quicker and easier.
1: And then if somebody doesn't want to sell that pelt, how would they go about doing that?
0: So after you've gotten it all fleshed out and stretched um, there's a couple of ways to sell it they have local fur auctions where most likely you're at and you'd need to look on your local um, trappers association like there's an Idaho trapping association there's a Utah trapping association they'll know where the local buys are going to be but they also have companies like NAFA they go around the country and buy furs um, and sell them at the national auctions And I know people tend to try to do that as much as possible because they get a little bit higher price. But at the same time, if you're starting out and you're like me, where you are kind of a lower end trapper. You know, I don't trap more than 100 muskrats a year. It's not really worth it to me to send them all the way there to wait for six months before I get my money. And so I'll take the little lower price and get my money a little quicker because it's just not a big enough paycheck to worry about.
1: Okay. Can they also go to those same websites to check uh, where the prices are at? Because they fluctuate pretty frequently, don't they?
0: Yes. Um, we actually are in a pretty low end for a market right now. And so you can go to – I would look at NAFA, um, NAFA's website. I don't know what it is right off the top mm-hmm. of my head, but they will have the most accurate and probably the best price predictions for the next year.
1: What, uh, what do you like most about trapping? Like, why do you do it?
0: Um, why do I trap? There are very few things in this life that I was naturally talented at. Um, one thing that I have always been naturally talented at was fishing. And that's why I have such a great passion for it. Um, but the other thing that I always had a natural talent for, and it was just something that came naturally to me was trapping. Um, I could look at a stream and say a muskrat is going to go here, here and he won't go there. And I could set two traps and nine times out of 10, I'd have a muskrat in one of those two traps almost every time. And so for me to have that satisfaction of going into the creature's environment, knowing where he is going to step, telling him that he is going to step right there. And then still having him step there was just a unique experience connecting me to the, the nature the outdoors um that's what gives that's what gave me the hunger for the outdoors um also i do it because my old man did it and i carry on the lineage it's a dying thing um but it's something that i really have learned to appreciate every animal in my habitat for that very reason you know people a lot of times you ask them what lives around there what kind of animals live around there and they can tell you one or two and for me where i live at i can tell you almost every single animal i know of that lives around here because i've grown that appreciation for them
2: so one one thing that like has interested me in trapping and it's one of the same things that's that gets me going for fishing gets me going for hunting is just that knowledge of, Hey, I can go and set this trap. And if I'm in a pinch, like that animal has me, I can feed myself. I can feed my family if I need to. It's just one of those things where, you know, you, n- you never know where you're going to find yourself in five, 10, 15 years. Um, you know, we, everything could hit the fan. Or we could be in the woods somewhere trying to feed our family. And, you know, if I can trap, that's, that's one way I can provide
0: Yes, and that's something that's not an active pursuit of meat. A lot of people look at an animal, um, especially small game, and go, I don't know if I'd eat that. And I can tell you, I've tried almost every single animal I've ever trapped. The two animals I can think of that I haven't tried just because I can't get past the smell is mink and, re- or skunk. Mink and skunk. I just, I've tried a lot of animals, and that one's one that I just can't quite get to yet. <laughs> Um, I'm sure I will one day, but not yet, but I've tried raccoon, I've tried muskrat, I've tried beaver, and I know that I could cook them if I needed to to provide meat. Um, So it is a renewable resource of food as well.
2: Sorry, the dog's going crazy over here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So in your area, Zach, you have to check your traps. What was it, every three days or something like that? Is that right?
0: Yes, every seventy-two hours, your tra- your traps have to be checked.
1: Okay, how do you how do you fit that into your schedule? Because I know you got you know a handful of traps spread out.
0: Um, for me, I uh, one of my favorite times to check them is at night, um, or while I'm out hunting after work. So I work a night shift, and so I usually get off at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock ish. Um, and if I can, I'll go check my traps then. Otherwise, I'll go check my traps while I'm out hunting or while I'm out fishing. Um, but I've got to have that time. 372 hours, I make time at least for a few hours to go out and try to find and make sure that there's nothing in my traps sitting there.
1: And how do you, how do you find areas to trap?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. So when I first started off tra- trapping... Um, My dad showed me a little corner section of the river um, that we trapped together. And since then I've learned more about the animals that I trap and have looked for habitat, habitat where they live. Um, For example, Connor, when we had you up here to go duck hunting this year, there was a canal that you and I drove past that I looked over and you probably noticed it only because there was ducks, but I noticed it because I looked over and there's muskrats sitting there. And I thought to myself, you know, that would be an effective place to try to set some traps. Um, and so I look for places where they'll be and where they're most likely to live.
1: Okay. And, you know, of course, that comes same way we do hunting and fishing is just through scouting, right? Putting in that work, driving around, essentially
0: keeping your eyes open. Yeah, essentially, all it is is scouting, trying to figure it out. Um, If you don't know how to do something with trapping, or if you don't know how to do something with finding animals, contact your local trapping organization and they will put you in contact with someone that you can shadow. I know for me, I've not really trapped coyotes enough to know what I'm doing yet. And so this upcoming year, I know that Connor and I were wanting to do some coyote trapping. And so we're probably going to spend the season next year tagging along with a guy who knows what he's doing.
1: I think that's really cool. They put you into a little like mentorship, apprenticeship program. That's really awesome. Never heard of anything done before.
0: Again, Again, it comes with that, what we were talking about last week, the the spirit of the outdoorsman. We don't want people to come in and get burned out and not succeed. We want to take them under our wing and say, hey, you know, here is a way to succeed. Here is this method i found.
2: I've got a question. Go for it, Gabe. So I'm assuming that you're probably trapping public land just from how you've talked about it um traps they're just like you know trail cams how well, you get out there you get you're on public land you get the those people who a are in that area and don't want you in that area or b are in that area and you know might not be the honest of the honest and you know steal your trail cams and stuff like that what, what do you do to protect your your traps like i know you can throw locks on your trail cams and stuff like that but what do you do for your
1: traps? I think that kind of goes along with the question I was going to ask of, you know, what kind of trapping etiquette is there?
0: This is something that the trapping community has been struggling with for a long time. Um, there are certain things that you can do to make stealing a trap harder. Um, for example, one of the most common anchors that we use to anchor our trap to the ground is called an earth anchor. And unless you know how to get it out of the ground, it is a beast to get out. And I know guys who will cable their traps to their locks and to their anchors so they can't get taken very easily. Um, But unfortunately, we have a very high... theft ratio is trappers, Um, whether it be a hunter, whether it be another trapper. um, I've had my fair share of experiences with them. Even this year, I had a couple of people um, steal two of my traps, and I ended up finding out who it was and let them know that if they weren't going to return them, I would have to contact authorities. And um, they ended up giving me my trap back. The unfortunate part about that, though, is that one of them was broken. And so when it comes down to that, you know, it's illegal to touch another person's trap, set or not. Um, if it's out there, you, you're not to touch it. Um, and that's just part of proper etiquette. That's part of being a proper outdoorsman. You just don't mess with a trap if it's out there. Um, a responsible trapper will oftentimes on public land put the sign up at access points that says there's traps on this land, you know, beware of your dogs, but we've been discouraged from doing that in recent years because of the amount of theft that we get.
2: See, that's, that's just disappointing. It really sucks that we have to, you know, try to hide our stuff, cable our stuff down, like we, we work hard to do what we're doing. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to pay for the stuff. It's not easy to make time to you know, go out and set our traps or set our choke cams or whatever it is that we're doing. Like we're taking time out of our day where we could be making money to do that. And then we end up having to go and make more money to replace them. So it, it really sucks.
0: Well, and with trapping, it is a really expensive sport if you start getting into it heavily. Um, but another thing that we have is trappers to help us identify our traps is I, I don't know about every state but at least here in idaho we're required to have a tag on our traps identifying who owns that trap.
2: Utah and day. so
0: i have yep and i've got mine custom engraved i get them from the same place every time and they do a phenomenal job and it doesn't I was cost gonna, a lot. I do that for an um, underwater trap so mine are made out of copper my my tags are not uh plastic or paper or cardboard um the options that you have are you can engrave it into the trap or do like i did and order copper tags um, and they're really relatively cheap i got a hundred of them in a pack for like five bucks wow
1: that does sound pretty cheap they, they and they all came engraved. did you have to engrave them yourself
0: nope they all came engraved pre-engraved with stuff that i had written in um, my current ones have my phone number, they have my trapping ID, and they have my name on them.
1: So, what about, um, I'm sure there's not very many set rules, but just proper etiquette about setting up traps near somebody else's traps. What's, uh, what's the guidelines of that?
0: As a general rule, unless you know the person who's trapping an area, If you find traps in a certain area, you avoid it. Um, For example, um, I know a guy who's trapping a section of river right now that I would actually love to run for muskrats. Um, And I know for a fact that he's not trapping muskrat, but I don't feel comfortable going in there and setting my traps in a place where he is already set for other animals, just in case he does want to set for muskrat. And so I skip that section of river where I know he's at, and I go to the next public access area
1: okay so you trying to see like a good half mile away quarter mile away or whatever
0: at the very least yes um i just go into the next area where he's not likely to be trapping um, and if you have the opportunity to talk to him for example my traps all of my traps have my phone number on them if you have the opportunity to get in contact with the trapper and just say hey I noticed your trap here. I'm not trying to take them. I'm not trying to move them, but I noticed your number on there. I wanted to ask what sections you're trapping so I can avoid them so that you have that place to trap. And that comes along with knowing the, the animals that you're trapping. What's their travel area? For example, a, mink, a male mink will travel up to 10 miles a day. And so, if you know that someone's trapping for mink in a specific area, you know, it would be unsportsmanlike to come back and set a trap 100 yards downstream from him for that same mink. You know, go a couple miles down and see if you can get him. But don't sit up close to him. Okay.
1: So,
2: after you catch your muskrat or your raccoon, how long do you have until you have to uh, skin it?
0: That's a good question. So a lot of animals will get what's called green belly, um, and it makes their hide invaluable. It it, uh, ruins their hide. And so if you're going to do that, you want to – unless they're frozen, you want to skin them within 48 hours at the very most.
2: I was going to say I've I've heard of people um, freezing their animals, getting it, and if they don't have the time right then to – um, skin it, they just throw it in the freezer and then they'll thaw it completely out and then go through the due process of doing it. Now, is that the, yeah? Is skinning is something that you would recommend learning how to do, do it yourself?
1: And-
0: Absolutely. In, except for in one circumstance. The only circumstance I would not recommend that in is coyotes. And with coyotes, I would keep them whole. I would cut off their front arms at the elbow and hang them and wait for whoever you're going to sell them to to sell them to them directly like that. Cause a lot of guys will prefer to skin their animals on their own.
2: So now do you sell your, if you, when you were to start um, trapping coyotes, would you sell your coyotes back to um, DWR and get that $50 or whatever the price is? I know in Utah it's 50 bucks. Um Or would you sell it to a private seller or a private buyer? I'm sorry. And get a little
0: bit. Uh, depending on the fur price. Okay. Um, like last year, for example, coyote fur, were running about 60 bucks a head. So in that case, you know, Idaho, if they're running the same thing, $50 for every coyote, then no, I would wait to sell it to a private buyer who will buy them for $60 a head. Um, if it's a bad coyote with mange and it's nasty, then yeah, I'm gonna turn it to DWR for the purpose of no one's gonna give you any money for a mangy hide.
2: Yeah.
1: But so let me ask you this, Zach. Since <clears throat> uh, Kayla and I are getting ready to move up there this year, and we want to start trapping with you, what are some things that I can buy now to prepare for that?
0: Um, I know that. I have to get... So, are you asking about a basic trapping setup, like the very basic minimum?
1: Yeah, just like things I'm going to need. I know I'll have to wait till we move up there and become a resident to get the certifications done. But you know, as of now, like if I go into Cabela's or Shields or whatever, what some things that I can buy to start talking up?
0: So the basics you're going to need are dependent upon the animal that you're going to trap. Um, If you're going to trap muskrat, pick you up a half a dozen 110 conobers. If you're going to trap raccoon, pick you up up two dog-proof traps and four leg holds. Um, And then along with that, do research. And I wouldn't buy any books anymore. I, I used to buy a lot of trapping books. I really did. Um, I probably have six or eight or 10 of them at my house now, um, that I don't read anymore just because they're not, they're not what I look at for a valuable resource anymore. Look online, find out what the animal that you're trapping is attracted to. And then I would make my own lures. That's what I love to do. I, I enjoy doing it. Um, you're going to need wire. You're going to need, um, a pair of pliers. And that's all you need to start. Things that are nice to have would be a pair of trap setters for those who are not as strong to set conibear traps. Um, Also a pair of hip waders, um, potentially a boat if you want to trap marshy areas. um, Things like that.
2: Now, you can also um, trap under another person like For example, when Connor and um, Kayla move up to your house, they can trap under your name, correct?
0: So not under my name, but they can go along with me. And so as long as they're my traps and they have my tags on them, they're more than welcome to go check them for me, to go skin them for me, to make the money off of it. That's not what's really important. What's important is if you're setting out your own traps and you're alone, you got to have a license. If you're going out with someone and you're being mentored, then you shouldn't need a license as long as your traps aren't out there.
1: Nice. You mentioned uh, using some bait. What do you What do you use for bait? <laughs> People are gonna laugh at me, so, I mean, um, I'm but for muskrat, away.
0: honestly, for muskrat, I use toothpaste, dude. Anything minty. Muskrats love mint. And I don't know why, but I will throw out a half of an apple with some mint on it, and it drives them nuts. Um, for raccoons, I love stinky fish. If I can get a hold of an old rotting fish, it will catch every raccoon I can find, just about. Um, and for beaver, I like caster sets or blind sets, um, which means you take the caster out of an old beaver and... They're very, very territorial, and so if you set up the caster in a different area and put it on a little stick, it will draw other beaver to that area saying, hey, who's in my area? You need to get out. And they'll step on a trap when they're investigating.
2: What's a caster?
0: So a caster is kind of... It's, it's a gland that beaver use for marking their territory. Um, if you're ever along a... along a river... And you see a beaver house nearby and you see that little pile of mud, go over and take a whiff. It's not the worst smell ever. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not the greatest smell ever. Um, but you take a whiff of that and you'll understand instantly why beaver can use that as a, as a scent marker. Um, and that it's very, very unique to each beaver, but it's also very, very strong. And so any beaver around is going to tell exactly what that okay. is. Now, there's no season. Like
2: a a guy's BO. Everybody's got a different one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's no season on trapping, right? This is something we can do year round.
0: On certain animals, yes. On others, no. Um, For example, around here, raccoons, I believe, Um, fox, and some other animals, you can trap year round. But there is a season on a lot of them. And it goes from like November to April. And so it's a really weird season, but yeah, there is a season on a lot of the animals, like muskrat, raccoon, or ra- muskrat, beaver, coyotes,
1: bobcats. Do you know why that is? Is it just population control? or
0: um, The reason there's a season on them is because if you're going to trap them, the... The government and the, the fishing game don't want you trapping just to kill the animal. Um, they would like to see the pelts go to be used. And the time that the pelts are good is in when it gets cold. Um, when it gets cold, Connor, do you put on the coat? Yeah. Well, most animals do too. And so when it gets cold, they grow that big thick coat and that's when their pelts are good.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense, you notice, you know, especially with like ducks and fish, you know, their colors really pop as it gets later into the year. Yep.
0: So I have another question. So trapping with Zay, after he spins the animal, he puts them on this little metal tool thing. I didn't know what it was for,
2: so can you
0: And so what those were is they're called stretchers. Um, Anymore, fur prices are incredibly competitive and you want your fur to be as big and as beautiful as possible without ruining it. And so those stretchers make sure that not only are there no crinkles or the height isn't bunched up, but it also makes that fur just a little bit bigger and makes it a little bit more presentable of a competitive price, competitive size. Yeah, I think if nothing else, um, our Instagram is hunger for the outdoors with the number four. Um, our Gmail is outdoors at gmail.com with the number four. Um, and our Facebook is hunger for the outdoors with the number four. If you guys ever have any questions, if you guys have any thoughts, if you guys want to share pictures of your trapping, always hit us up. We love questions. We love our listeners. We want to cater to you guys.
1: Yeah, and hey guys, don't be afraid to, you know, ask us for ideas for other episodes too. You know, we're always looking for more material, more questions to answer. You know, we just we started this for the listeners to help you guys in your journey. You know, we've all been there, we all started out on our owner with a little help. And we know how tough it can be, you know, we just want to help you guys have the best experience you can. And that comes, first of all, with you guys um, giving us questions or topic ideas.
0: Well, in the meantime, guys, mm-hmm. keep, the, keep the hunger for the outdoors. And this is Zach. Connor. This is Melissa. Gibson. And we'll see you guys next time.